0: Well, good morning. Good, morning. good morning. Thanks from the back. Good morning from the rest to the rest of you. There we go. Excellent. Much better. Welcome, Sam. How many of you is first time ever to miss your day? Wow, I'm impressed. Hi. How are you doing? You all right? Good. Good. Well, hey, it's good to have you guys here. Uh, this has been a, a crazy week for me. Um, Today is sermon number two for me. I uh, had a wedding last night, and it was, I'll tell you, I love weddings when it's not about you. You know, and I love weddings when it's not about the bride, even though, you know, American culture says it's all about you. Uh, The bride and the groom got it. They just love Jesus with all their heart, and uh, it was just a great, great time. And we we walk through uh, Colossians, which talks about Paul is saying, listen, take off these things, take off anger, malice, all these kind of things and put on Christ, put on Jesus Christ and above all else, put on love and that love is coming deeply from Jesus Christ. No, nothing else. And they got it. And that's the, that's the stuff as a pastor and as a fellow Christian, I just love. I love it when people get who Jesus is and how every day He transforms their lives. That's the stuff that just, I get juiced about. That's the stuff that, I. I it's like, I walked away from that just going, yeah, I can sleep good tonight. They get it. It's a wedding where, yep, they're walking closely with Jesus and they've got a great community of people. So this morning, we're going to walk through Mark together. And in this section, Jesus is, is talking about... Um, uh, he, he's addressing some, some real difficult things. And just to give you a little bit of a, a precursor, Jesus is, has come to Jerusalem. Uh, he, he's finishing up his three years of ministry. And he has been here, there, everywhere, throughout... Israel and Judea and and even Samaria. And now he is coming to Jerusalem for his, if you will, his departure. He's on his way to to the cross. And at this point, it is a fast track to the cross. We saw Jesus coming to Jerusalem and he sees a fig tree, by the way. And it wasn't bearing fruit, and he cursed it and just walked on. He walked into town, and what did he do? He cleared the temple. He turned over tables and said, Listen, this is my Father's house, a house of prayer. You've turned it into a den of robbers. You are destroying what worship is supposed to be. Now repent. And last week was a sweet time for me again, where we as a community, repented. We shared those, those deep, painful things that are just in the way. And Jesus is saying, listen, I need to turn over the table of your idolatry. And you need to repent about this. And it was a sweet time. At the end, I'd say, and Jesus says, and you would reply, forgiven. Oh, great stuff. But this morning, Jesus, Jesus has some more tough stuff. But for me, it's not just a story of Jesus playing hard nose. It's a story for us this morning getting to the core of our heart. It's not just a historical attempt. It is Jesus wanting to rescue us in our religion. Of Jesus deepening Deeply reaching into our heart and saying, no, no, no. You still don't get it. I want to rescue you. I want to redeem you. I want to change your life from the inside out. So this is not just a message for those who maybe for the first time are coming to church. This is a message for those of you who have been in church your whole life. Of Jesus saying, no, I need to save you from your religion. You still don't get it. So let's, let's read Mark together. Mark chapter 12, starting at verse uh, 13 of chapter 12. No, nope, I'm sorry. Listen, Mark 11, my fault. Mark 11, verse 27, page 248 in the Bibles that uh, we provide for you. Man, it's going to be one of those mornings. No more late night weddings. Listen to the Word of God. And they came again to Jerusalem. And as He was walking in the temple, the chief priests and the scribes and the elders came to Him. And they said to Him, now these are the religious leaders of the day, and they said to Him, by what authority are you doing these things? Or who gave you this authority to do them? And Jesus said to them, I'll ask you one question. Answer me, and I'll tell you by what authority I do these things. Was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? Answer me. It's like Jesus saying, go. Question? Talk amongst yourself. They gathered together, and they discussed it with one another, saying, if we say from heaven, He will say... Why then did you, not, did you not believe him? But shall we say, from man? For they were afraid of the people. For they all held that John was really, really was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we don't know. And Jesus said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. And here's an inconvenience little chapter break. But the story goes on. And he began to speak to them in parables. A man planted a vineyard and put a fence around it and dug a pit for the winepress and built a tower and leased it to the tenants and went into another country. When the season came, he sent a servant to the tenants to get from them some of the fruit of the vineyard. And they took him and beat him, and sent him away empty-handed. Again, he sent another servant, and they struck him on the head. In the King James, it's they break him. They break his head. In other words, uh, struck him on the head and treated him shamefully. And he sent another, and him they killed. And so with many others. Some they beat and some they killed. And he had still one other. A beloved son. Finally, he sent him to them saying, They will respect my son. But those tenants said to one another, This is the heir. Come, let's, let us kill him. And they were seeking to arrest Him, but feared the people, for they perceived that He had told the parable against them. So they left Him and went away. This is not just uh, Jesus telling a cute little story. This is Jesus speaking still today. and Jesus is pointing back in time. And He's pointing back to how God has dealt with Israel. He's saying, listen, this is how God has worked. God has chosen your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's talking to the religious leaders, saying, let me tell tell you the story that you know so well. God has chosen Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and He set them apart to be a holy people. A special people for a special purpose. God's chosen people. He chose them to be separated from the rest of the world for His purposes. He brought them out of Egypt. He redeemed, took them from Pharaoh's hand, led them through the Red Sea. Out of the Red Sea, they, He brought them from the land of Egypt through the Red Sea to the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey. And God said, listen, I am the one who is providing for you. I am the one who is caring for you. I've got special purposes just for you. You are my people. I love you like a father has for his children. Those are my purposes. And he said, listen, all that I require of you is that I and I alone should be your God. You shall have no other gods before me. The Ten Commandments. I am God. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. You shall love me and me alone. That's all that I ask. No other idols. Nothing else shall be in my place. Obey and follow me with all that you have. At first, it was a sweet time for Israel. But very quickly, what happened? They started worshiping other gods. Falling back to to the Egyptians' gods and worshiping some of their gods and following the gods of of Canaan, following a god of Molech, which basically was this god, an idol that was basically a furnace and he had hands out like this. And this idol was so hot, anything that they put on would just burn. And to appease this, appease this God, they had to put their children, a child, a firstborn child, on this altar. And the children of Israel who were worshipping the one and true God quickly fell into worshipping Moloch. On top of that, God said, listen, this is not the way it's supposed to be. This is not right. This is not healthy. This is not how I designed you. This is not what worship of, of me looks like. So what did he do? He sent prophets after, prophets after prophets after prophets after prophets after prophets He came and said, listen, I want to send you a person who is going to bring you back to truth.
1: I'm, I'm going to send
0: you Isaiah. And he is an eloquent, a well-spoken prophet. He will teach you many things and bring you back on on the path. I'll send you Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. I'll bring you Jeremiah. I'll I'll bring you Ezekiel, who has great visions of what the kingdom of God looks like. I, I will send you Daniel while you're in captivity. I'll send you Daniel. And he'll set you back. They warned the people and warned the people and warned the people. But still, Israel rejected them. They know who knew who the one true God is. But every time the Word came to them, what did they do? They turned their back. So really, this is a story for us. For those of you who know Jesus Christ, this is a story for you. Just like it is for these these elders and religious leaders, the scribes and Pharisees. This is a story, listen, the Word is coming to you. And what will you do? How are you going to respond to the Word made flesh? Jesus Christ. Amen. God with us. How are you going to respond to Him? Are you going to respond like the children of Israel, where they basically chastise them, sent them away, throw them out? Or are you going to allow yourself to be rescued by the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the Prince of Peace, God with us? Jesus comes to them and says, Listen. There's a certain way that God works. And in Mark chapter 11, this is just an absolutely... I love this section. It all kind of rotates around verse 6 of chapter 12. God has a mission. God has a mission for rebellious people. Because in reality, we are very much like these people. Because in a few short days, the crowd is going to be doing what? They're going to be standing before Pilate with Jesus and Barabbas, and they're going to be saying, Crucify Him! Crucify Him! Crucify Him! Crucify Him! We've heard His teaching. Crucify Him! And Jesus says, listen, God has a mission. And it's an amazing, beautiful mission. And it's found right here in verse 6. And he, who is God the Father, had still one other. A beloved son. Finally, he sent him to them, saying, They will respect my son. God has a tremendous mission to redeem and to restore and to reconcile humanity with an awesome God. It's a, it's a beautiful story if you really think about it. Because we are sinful by nature. We are messed up, screwed up people who want to worship the created things instead of the Creator. That, that's who we are by nature. And I'm not talking about you've got to set up a, an idol in your house and pray to an idol. man, What are the idols of our day? What are they? Come on. Things like... Come on. Money. Yeah, television, media. What else? Cars. Cell phones. Work. Parents? Appearance. And parents, too. As a parent, I go, yeah. Others? Come on. A job, yeah. Celebrities. What else is... Idolatry. Our time, yeah. What else? Music. What else? Video games. Security. Me. I worship me a lot. What about you? Do you worship yourself a lot? I'm pretty successful. I'm pretty good. And I love me. And so what do I do? I built a real fortress around me for my safety. Instead of saying, you know what? It's about Jesus and worshiping Him. And He can do whatever He wants with me. Throw me into the fires, I'll still proclaim His name. Use me and expend me for His name's sake, I'll do whatever. But our society says, no, it's about you and what you need and your security. And they're all false senses of security. So Jesus came on a mission to redeem His people. To save them. To set them straight. And He provided His Son. God sent His Son for us. For you. And the good news of the Gospel should be changing us daily. It's not just the Gospel that saved you. It's the Gospel that is still saving you and transforming. The Gospel is that thing that is taking those those dark places, those places that you hold tightly to, and Jesus is saying, let go. Allow Me to take that and change that. Jesus comes with a mission as the Son of God made flesh and dwelling amongst us. Living the life we could never live. Dying the death we could never die. Because only His death could appease the wrath of God. Only His perfect death. And by His blood is God satisfied. And therefore, we have access to God. For we have a perfect mediator. His name is Jesus Christ. And that is God's mission. To send His Son... So that we can have hope. So that we can have access to a wonderful God. But a crime has been committed. And it's an astounding crime. Humanity took Him and killed Him. And threw Him out. Disregarded Him. Humanity committed a crime we all corporately and individually commit a crime I wonder you know there us as Protestants often have this this negative view of uh, Christ on a cross you know since the Reformation Jesus is off the cross we should never view Christ on the cross but you know what I, I just wonder if that that Catholic view of Christ present on the cross is something that we need to understand again. That the Christ on the cross is there because of us.
1: I killed Christ.
0: I killed Christ. You killed Christ. your rejection of him when he comes to you daily it says will you follow me more closely more nearly more dearly will you follow me will you put down those things and follow me will you pick up your cross and follow me and you say no i like the security of my job of my marriage my friends my finances my job my finances my marriage my you name you fill in the blank i like that Killed Christ. You have become like the people in this story of saying, No, I want my own inheritance. I want to succeed on my own. And Christ is going, It's impossible. There's no way to the Father but through me. And we have killed Christ. In our daily lives. We choose to be like the religious people of that day. They took Him. and killed Him. I want you to think, what are those things in your life that you say no to Christ about, but in reality He is constantly having this hand that's wide open and say, please, please, put that to death. Allow me to take that. What are those things in your life that, you hold on so dearly that have taken the place of Christ. What is it? Last week we, we repented. And I hope that you don't forget those things. Because those things last week, I am pretty sure, for many of us, are still alive and well today. Things like adultery, anger, greed, lust, homosexual thoughts, fear, gossip, pride, selfishness, self security, sloth laziness and there was an amazing punishment that took place it says here in mark 12 verse 9 what will the owner of the vineyard do what will god the father do he will come and destroy the tenants and he's speaking to the religious leaders of those days and saying, listen, He will come and destroy the tenants and give the vineyard to others. He'll give, he'll give... Listen, you don't want this good news? You don't cherish it and love it and dwell in it and let it deeply root in you and change you and transform you? Oh, man, I'll give it to those who will take it and savor it. And look what happened. After his Christ's death, an amazing revival took place. And you know where the revival took place? Outside of the walls of Jerusalem. The Gentile world. Amazing things happened. It spread like wildfire. People's lives were changed from the inside out. It's like... Oh, I can't get enough of this. And they're trying to live into the gospel. So much so that Paul is writing all these letters trying to correct them and say, whoa, 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 you're doing this wrong. You're doing this wrong. Oh, you're screwed up over here. But You're doing great. Good job. Oh, keep on going. Focus on Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, you're getting it. You're getting it. You're getting it. Whoa. You might not want to sleep with your mom. You might not want to do this. You might not. Let's correct this behavior. But you know what? Keep your eyes focused on Jesus. You're getting it. Here's the thing God has sent to each one of us, to you, to me, each one of us, his son. And Jesus cries to us Give me your heart. He is saying on a daily basis, give me your heart. And as it says in Mark, repent or you'll perish. Life without me. Repent. Turn again. Go another direction. Follow closely after me. Spurgeon says this. If you reject Him, He answers you with tears. If you wound Him, He bleeds out cleansing. If you kill Him, He dies to redeem. That's where the hope starts, huh? If you kill Him, He dies to redeem you. If you bury Him, He rises again to bring resurrection Jesus is love made manifest Jesus is made love is love made real in the flesh his whole life demonstrated what love is it demonstrated God's mission listen you can even kill me but you know what in that death there's life In that death, there's life. Next one. None of us loves men as Christ loves them. And if the love of all the tender hearted in the world could run together, they would make but a drop compared with the ocean of the compassion of Jesus. And he goes on to say. He hid not His face from shame and spitting, nor His body from the shedding of blood, nor His soul from deadly agony, but He loved the church and gave Himself for it. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. That's the good news. That Jesus Christ came and endured That we can have true life, true hope. So that our sins that we confess and repent are removed. And that there is no longer an offense before God. Your good deeds get you nowhere. Sam, I don't care how many toilets you clean. I don't care how many baby bottle pops that you sell, how sweaty you feel. None of that will get you closer to Jesus Christ. None of it. Miss who are here regularly. I don't care how many Sundays you show up. I don't care how many committees you are on. I don't care if you're on the worship team every freaking week. That will not redeem your soul. I don't care if you go down to Roseland every week and work with children because you think that they're the cutest thing or they need love. If you do not give your life to Christ and His mission and His purpose and submit your life fully to Him, you too will perish. I don't care if you've been in the church all your life, been raised by Christian parents, even gone on a mission trip here or there, that will not save your soul. I don't care if you have gone through the rites and rituals of a church, that you've been confirmed by this church, or you've been a member of this church, or that church, or that denomination. You know, I don't care. That is not going to redeem your soul because the offense is still there. We have killed Christ. And He desires our full life obedience and submission to Him. That's what He wants. Because you know what that is? Worship. Worship. That is worship. So, the question this morning is: How are you going to respond? What is going to be your response? Is your response, Oh, that's a nice one. I felt a little guilty at first. Let's go out to eat. Let's pick up chairs. Or is your response going to be, Jesus, here it is: My life, my all. Here it is. A life of worship. Or will you continue to kill him on a daily basis and throw him out? The response is yours. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you have so loved the church. That You so love us that You gave Yourself fully to it to that redemption. God, I thank You that You are a God that sent Your Son on a mission. An amazing mission that accomplished more than we could ever accomplish collectively. Father, I thank You for Your Son, Jesus Christ who by His blood and His death has gained access for us to You. Jesus, we thank You for the work that You have done on the cross. Lord, may that just sink in. The sweetness of what that means for us as as people as humanity. God, I pray this morning that we honor You all. Lord, we all have different ways that we need to respond this morning. Starting with me. I need to learn how to respond better to You and submit my life fully to You as a child of God. God, so I pray for my brothers and sisters who need to respond in various degrees and different ways to the call that is on their hearts. God, I pray for that man or woman who this morning needs to fully give their life to You, to follow after You, who need to recognize for the first time this morning the price that You have paid for their life. So God, would You move in a powerful way right now? Would You open their eyes fully and receive the joy which is found only in You? And God, would You also work in those of us this morning whose hearts are hard. Hard against the church. Hard against religion. Hard against You. God, would You soften our hearts again so that we can follow You more nearly. More obediently. And love You passionately with all of our lives. God, we cast down the idols of our lives, whether they be sexual sins, financial sins, personal self-gratification, me, me, me sins. God, we we confess the sins of us as a church. The church missio day, The pride that sometimes we have. Lord, the pride that I have that needs to be grounded in You. For the church of Jesus Christ, universal, God, we pray, Lord, that we may be that pure and spotless bride on the day that we have to give an answer. So forgive us. Bring us back on the path. Lord, may we listen to Your Word that is alive and well even this morning. So as it's preached from many different pulpits and many different parts of the world this morning. Lord, would You quicken our hearts. Make them alive to You. Sensitive to the movement of Your Holy Spirit in all of our lives. And Lord, would it bring us to our knees. God, would You just in these next few moments, in the silence, Lord, we are going to confess our sins to You. And we know that You are faithful and true. That You will remove all of our sins. And we will be white as snow because of the work of Jesus Christ. So Jesus, would You hear our prayers as we pray to You? Change your hearts, O God. Change my heart. May we put on clothes of righteousness. Father, thank you for hearing our prayers. Thank you for being faithful, even when we're not. We pray this in the name of Jesus. All God's people said. One of the things that we do is we celebrate communion on a weekly basis. And we do this not because it's a ritual. We do this because we want to enjoy Christ more nearly and dearly on a weekly, daily basis. We believe that Christ is especially present when His church is gathered. That He's here even amongst us now ministering to you. And as we come together to the Lord's table, He wants to minister to our hearts. He wants to speak to our minds, our affections. He wants to reassure you that as far as the east is from the west, so far has He moved your sins from you. And how does He do this? He gives us beautiful pictures. The pictures of His body, through the bread that we break. Saying, this is my body. It's broken for you. This is the life that I lived. The life that you can never live. Pure, holy, and blameless. But it's broken. So that you can no longer be broken. He said to His disciples, do this in remembrance of Me. In the same way, He took the cup and He poured it out for His disciples. Say, this is a picture of the blood that I will be shedding for you in a few days on, on a hill called Golgotha. And I'm going to be shedding My blood so that you may have access to the Father. I will be the last Lamb slain. The perfect Lamb. That's Me. So that you may have access to the To the Father. So that you will have life now and life eternal. This is a meal that we celebrate as a family. So if you have professed with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, that you have given your life fully to Him, and desire to be obedient, and continue to seek obedient ways to follow after Jesus Christ, this is a meal that is open to you. If you have not yet professed your faith in Jesus Christ, I want to invite you just to sit back and watch. We're not the kind of community that's going to judge you. But this is a meal that is reserved for those who are followers after Jesus. So if you are serving... Would you come forward? We celebrate by means of intinction the body of Christ broken for you. The next station. The body of Christ, or the blood of Christ, poured out for you. Amen. So come, when you're ready, for all things are ready.